Today you're listening to the first episode of the Cowboy Talk podcast with a repeat guest. Also, we're back in our home studio after about, what, four weeks, Mr. Waldron? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Uh, so our first repeat guest, that is County Commissioner James Williams, as we promised back when we talked about wildfires. So I'm your host, Justin Sharp, joined by co-host Chad Waldron. Hey, Justin, good to be here again in the attic of the shop, uh, doing another podcast. I'm looking forward to this interview. And uh, today we're going to talk about a variety of things with our Lake County Commissioner. So this week is Spirit Week. Just want to get that off first. Thanks everybody who dressed up. Today's the last day is North Lake Day. I completely spaced the dress up. I got a free t-shirt and everything and then forgot to wear it this morning. So apologize, but uh, try again next spring. Right. What kind of example is that coming from the student council president, Justin? (laughs) I know, I know them. But this time we are in a COVID-19 I would say spike in cases in Lake County. So I think we're going to talk about that and a few other things. So first, I want to ask you, James, how has your job been lately? Because last time you weren't real impressed. (laughs) Well, I'm really happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me back on. And and Chad, I I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, My job has really hasn't changed throughout 2020. Um, it's, it's still just as frustrating at times, uh, than it has been throughout the whole year. Uh, it's, uh, it's difficult to find the best avenue, the best solution sometimes that, uh, people want. Um, you're not necessarily going to be able to get people what they want as far as results, um, because the, the amount of power that you have as a commissioner, I think a lot of people have this perception that the county commissioners have the ability to fix everything. And uh, there are local representatives. Uh, they're the people that we can walk into their offices and we can uh, tell them exactly what we think. And, hey, by golly, you got to fix this and make this right. Uh, but in reality, there's, uh, there's a lot of much bigger pictures at play. And uh, the amount of authority that we have to fix people's problems is actually substantially limited. And that's a good thing in reality because uh, you actually don't want to give someone all the power to fix all of your problems because uh, – uh, at that point, um, that's actually what gets us into a lot of the trouble that we have today. And that's my opinion, that uh, too many people are unwilling to solve their own problems and, and uh, fix their own lives, and they tend to look to other men and give them the power to fix the world. And uh, that's that's just, in in my opinion, I think it's a really bad direction to go. So even if I did have the power to fix the problems that we are facing, um, I likely wouldn't use it. Um, it's a dangerous road. Yeah, Mr. Walder and I were literally just talking about that about five minutes before we started here about how uh, people <laughs> think county commissioners can solve all your issues, but they really can't. Yeah. Well, we were we were yeah. specifically talking, and I know you know that's why you're back on. Is uh, people are asking, what is James? What's the county commissioners doing about the governor's? Uh, orders and this COVID shutdown. I'm like, well, what do you th- what what do you expect them to do for crying out loud? It's like, you know, I get people complain that the school requires face masks. Well, it's not the school's decision. This is coming from health department and the governor. There's not a whole lot we can do about it. So I've been a little bit frustrated. I'm frustrated what I read online and social media about the criticism of our commissioners and and so I boy, I'll tell you, it's 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 uh, what a time to be alive, huh, James? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I again, I, I I may have expressed this last time I was on. I, I actually feel sorry for my wife more than anything because I can take 
uh, a lot of the criticism. I can take a lot of the things that people say because I know that they're just expressing a lot of their frustration because, and I get it. I totally understand where a lot of that frustration is coming from and why it's there. And, and in many ways it's justified. Um, but, uh, so I, I don't hold it against people. It's, um, but it is very difficult for, uh, your spouse, uh, your family and, uh, others to see the things being said about, um, you know, the people that they love and then being just said in general about other members in their community. Um, it's, that's probably the disheartening thing for me is to see the division and to see the impacts to our community when people go after each other on social media or any platform where they can hide behind a keyboard um, where in reality it, were we men to man speaking to each other we would not be treating each other in this manner we'd be looking each other in the eye and we'd be on even ground and we'd be expressing these thoughts and maybe it might get heated at, at certain points in time but typically we come at it from a more rational point of view on social media there's no time for thought there's no time for rational uh, thinking uh, it's just me, 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 my opinion, this is what I think, and with no, uh, no recourse, no, uh, no impact uh, from the things that we say. Um, it just, it, it, it's, a, it's too much of a protection uh, to, which you would typically face in a normal conversation were you to uh, attack someone or go out up against them and you can see the emotion and you read the facial expressions and you can see people. It's one of the things, you know, I personally, I, I do see some issues with wearing a mask all the time because uh, it cuts down on that level of communication, uh, which is uh, not entirely verbal. Uh, it's uh, the way humans communicate a lot for the large part is, Facial expression, inflection, and uh, and social media actually makes that just as hard, um, um, ten times harder, uh, to be able to communicate these complex ideas and these issues that we're facing in our society. It it actually makes it worse, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I you know I teach public speaking, and one of the things you know the science says about eighty percent of communication is nonverbal. So what you're saying, I agree one hundred percent. And as a teacher, you know, I can. When before I had to wear a face mask, I could smile and communicate, or mm -hmm. I could scowl and communicate. Well, now I can't do either of those things. So, eighty percent of my communication is, you know, is is suffering right now. Right. Yeah. You can't. You can't just let the kids know with a look. You know, like no, that's enough of that. And yeah. uh, it's it's uh, unfortunate that we've broken down a lot of the terms, the means of communication in our society right now. And I think we're just kind of suffering from that. Um, I don't begrudge a lot of the things that people say to me, uh, to me or about me. And personally, I have a really good method of dealing with that. I don't read it. Um, and, uh, and the things that I do read, I, I just let it go because I accept the fact that, Hey, like I said, I get it. It's, uh, this is not an easy situation, but it, at some point we have to stop. We have to dial ourselves in um, and say, hey, these are our neighbors. These are the people of our community. We are in this together. There's 8,000 souls in this county right now, and we have all suffered at one way or another due to this shutdown and, and due to the impacts to our community, to our schools, our businesses, and our families and households. It's uh, it, It's not been fun for any of us and and i'd give a shout out to our public health director and to our public health staff 
a lot of them are really doing the very best they can. I had a conversation with Judy just this morning, uh, Judy Clark. Um, she is doing everything in her power to keep our schools open. Um, but I think that there's, um, especially on social media, you know, you, you go and tell someone that you're a, so, um, a public health director and you are met with instantaneous hate. Uh, you go tell someone that you're a county commissioner and you're going to be met with some hate because it's, it's not that they know you or they know you well enough to know that they should hate you personally as an individual person. And you, that's why you have to draw this distinction. They, they see you in that position and in that office as someone that could affect change, and they don't feel like they're seeing any change. Yeah, and I, so they're angry. I think there's a lot of that just for government workers in general, and it's, there Correct. always has been in, you know, in a good red county like ours, but it's <laughs> worse now than ever. And, you know, some of the things that was said about our, you know, health department uh, personnel and our neighbors, I mean, these are our neighbors, is absolutely disgusting. I mean, I could not believe yep. some of the comments being made. Yeah, I I got on, uh, I went on live on Facebook because it wasn't something that I could articulate. And is that what sparked that? Let, I did watch that and wondered. Uh, Mark Mark posted one. Um, I posted one a couple days later. I think Mark was uh, taking a little bit different of approach on some other subjects. But then the I think it was a couple days later. Um, some of, we saw some stuff on social media that was just absolutely horrendous and outrageous, uh, death threats straight up. And, uh, and it wasn't by everyone. And it certainly, it was only by a very small portion, uh, of people, small percentage, just one or two really that were the troublemakers. And what they were saying was just highly inappropriate. And, and like Chad says, absolutely disgusting. And, uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. I, I doubt that those individuals necessarily are. I hope they are. But uh, the thing is about that is not everyone understands that, uh, you know, those kind of things being said, and uh, that's not representative of our community. Well, that, and it's not productive. I mean, it's one thing. It's obviously morally egregious to say things like that, but what do you think you're actually going to oh, change by saying sure. that? Correct. Yeah, th there's, there's no progress that we make by by going that route and so i i think just in terms of trying to set a good example and trying to be the example in other communities and in other counties and throughout the state of oregon uh, we have to rein it in and uh, we we're better than this as as a people in our county we've we've gone through some really hard times i i joke and say well you know lake county We've always been poor, and when I say poor, I don't mean money, because uh, being poor and not having money are not necessarily the same thing. We've, we haven't had money in Lake County uh, for a long time. Uh, we're just, we've been a rural, uh, economically uh, struggling county for a very long time, for as long as we've existed. And we've gone, when the Great Depression hit, no one in Lake County ever probably noticed. Um, yeah. It's, it's very just true. been like that. So, yeah, this, that, that's a sign of our times and, and the life that uh, of our forefathers and the people that went before us here in this county. And uh, we need to just maintain a sense of reality uh, over the issues that we're facing. And, and just like I say, I, I say dial it back a little bit. 
look at what really matters in our lives. Remember that these are our neighbors, our friends, our family that we're talking about, and we just can't afford to mess this up, especially right now where we really need to be coming together in, in some form of unity for our community because it is hard. Our, our families are struggling, our kids are struggling, and we just can't afford to have this kind of friction. I mean, what an example to be teaching our kids right now. We could either be teaching them that when going gets tough, we eat each other and devour each other, or we could teach each other that we forgive and we actually still care and that we're going to rise above it and we're going to still make it worth and no work and no matter how bad it gets we still actually care about our family and our friends and neighbors and we're going to be there for them no matter what that, those are the kind of people i personally would want to be in a foxhole with i don't want to be in the foxhole with a survivalist because when the food runs out you're on the menu I, and i i want to be face hard times which we're going through hard times right now i want to be with people that actually care about one another and and that's and that's what i've tried to uh bring people back to when i'm when i'm talking to them in the community i want to make sure that they're looking at what actually matters and look out for one another yeah and that was kind of what the essence of my video or what i was trying to say when i put a live stream out there because i wanted people to see my face i wanted i wanted to be able to to just say what was on my heart and uh express my feelings on the subject um but that's a that's a very small portion of the the work that uh, encompasses that of a county commissioner that was uh just that was actually on um, my break time late in the evening when i was at the office yeah it was pretty late just, i think it was after 9 p.m yeah, I think it was like sometime around 10 or something like yeah. that. I don't know. But uh, it's you. we put in a lot of late hours because we're looking for solutions. We're, we're trying to work our way through the issues at hand. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing COVID-19 is definitely the biggest issue you're working on right now. But what specifically are you, like, kind of delving into? Because it's a pretty big issue to look at. Well, um, you know, we were, when working with the other counties, I also want to make sure that we're not just putting out a bunch of word salad for people when we tell them, oh, yeah, we're working on stuff. You know, they don't necessarily want to hear that. They want to see some results. And uh, so, but every step we take towards trying to make things work and make things better, whether it's getting additional dollars to our businesses to keep them open, whether it's pushing back on the state overreach because it, I, in my opinion, I believe there clearly is state overreach uh, from government agencies and from uh, the state government in general. But uh, we push back on those things. We bring those things forward and we discuss those things. That's uh, unanimously understood and felt among my board that there is overreach and we need to continue to push back. That's why we're here. That's why the people asked us to hold this position and, and hold this job. The, um, the one of the things that uh, has come up recently, of course, is our prison here in Lake County closing. Oh, it is and, now. I uh, actually didn't know that. Yeah, that's uh, it. It came out um, the other day in the governor's press conference. Is that one and, of the three uh, that got shut down with the new budget? Yes. Okay. And hey, uh, hey, I, James, how many how many jobs is that going to cost Lake County? Do you know? Over a hundred. Wow. Um, and and that's actually uh, it's that's actually very generous because you're not 
you're not taking in those are direct jobs that will be impacted um i mean you're talking 108 jobs i think total that are actually directly employed that's not the other jobs that will suffer and the other businesses that will suffer because of the loss of those jobs to the economy uh whether it be restaurants and different things where you know you have 108 people that no longer are able to make a living here in Lake County, and they're going to have to look at moving and going somewhere else. That's 82 children in our schools, Um, and that's both Lakeview and Paisley because we have a number of people that live in Paisley that work at the prison. Um, That's 10% of our school in Lakeview, that those kids no longer, their parents aren't able to make a living here. It's also 10% of the school in Paisley because it's nine students out of Paisley that will no longer uh, be able to possibly stay here unless their parents can find another job, which would have to replace um, the income of a state job with the benefits and everything else. Out of, out of the 108 people that have jobs out there, 62 of them own homes in Lake County. Wow. So, so what's, what's the reason for the prison being shut down? Is there a very clear one? Well, budget cuts. Um, that's that's debatable because uh, I mean we we talk the the reasoning needs to outweigh the impacts, and uh, that's our feeling at least. And so the the reasoning, of course, is that it will save some money. And I understand that there's some economic uh, issues going on right now as far as uh, um, our fiscal uh, budget is you know in, in some trouble because of the the situation that the state is in. And uh, we can have a debate over what caused that or why we're in that situation. But we worked very hard and have been working all year to try and keep that prison open. And uh, we formed a committee as commissioners uh, with uh, a number of other people in the community, including a superintendent from our schools and um, different uh, key players in the community that have an interest, including even, I believe, uh, union folks and um, employees from the prison that were involved in that committee to be able to give information and to work through what potentially we could do to keep our our prison open. And uh, that committee has been working very hard, very diligently, and uh, um, working directly with the governor's office and uh, those in the correctional um, department for Oregon. And we thought we were making ground. Now, a couple months ago, it sounded like it wasn't going to make it into the governor's budget for uh, the 21-23 budget, biennial budget. And and we thought, okay, well, that's not that doesn't mean that it's over because we can still our legislature can still meet and we can look at trying to make sure that it's still funded. And uh, and that's typically what you do. A, a, a governor would sit down and she would. Um, make a deci- make a decision on her priorities. Um, these are my priorities. Um, this is what I want to fund based on the projections and the dollars that we have. And then the legislature meets and they fund those, and then they go through and they see if they can continue to fund the rest of the budget. Um, typically, that works out just fine. Um, but something happened in this case, and it happened just the other day, um, and we're all still just kind of circling the wagons trying to figure out what what we're going to do next um but uh we the governor used her executive authority to close the prison 
And what that means is is that it gives her veto power. So even if the legislature were to come and say, we funded it, we can keep it open, um, we funded all your priorities as well, but we were able to fund this also, um, where any other governor that I would imagine would look at that and say, good, awesome, well done, appreciate it, you know. Um, she has the veto power to close the prison um, uh, to veto any decision that the legislature makes, even if they are able to fund it. Yeah. So and what does that, that interaction that, look like then between county commissioners? Because you mentioned that with COVID, but it sounds like also this. What is, what's the, like, I guess you could say boots on the ground. What does that look like then as a county commissioner? Uh, in reference to exactly what, into the prison and to the discussion at hand? Or? Yeah, well, yeah, just in general. Is it, I mean, are you are you guys meeting up and talking with somebody that represents the governor? How does that work? Yes, um, we we discuss with the with the governor's office. Uh, typically, it'd be uh, um, Constantine at the state of Oregon. Um, uh, he's he's a he's worked with us pretty substantially through the entire process. Um, we've got a number of other contacts within the governor's office that we work with, but um, those those individuals help us get the message to her. We haven't been able to really have many direct conversations with the governor. Um, but, uh, those that we do, we, we make the case, uh, we, we make a very strong case. Uh, this is the second newest prison in the state of Oregon. Um, why are we closing it? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and, uh, we, we, we're going to continue to push, I think, and then continue to fight, even though I feel like the ship has sailed. Um, and that's something that, you know, I would, I, I hate to say, but uh, you have to look at it realistically. Um, it would take two-thirds majority of the House and the Senate in order to be, to overturn a veto. Um, that likely won't happen. Um, and just based on the politics and everything else of the situation, which is also very frustrating for us because um, we're nonpartisan as commissioners. Um, we are fighting for Lake County, not a party. And we are wanting to find a solution to the problem. Um, leave the politics at the door. You have 108 people that are about to lose their livelihood um, and others. Um, this is uh, this is a pretty um, this is a pretty severe blow to Lake County, and will set back the economy quite substantially. Yeah, is there a lot of back and forth from the governor? Because I mean. Not to bash her here, but she doesn't seem like the she doesn't peg me as the type that would say, "Oh, okay, I see your point. Let's talk about it." You know what I mean? Well, um, I'm I'm sure she would like to be seen as someone that is that takes that approach. Um, uh, but in my mind, and I'm perfectly open and honest about this, uh, I have an interview with uh, NBC Five, um, hopefully here um, later this evening or tomorrow. Um, they would like to talk to me directly about this subject. And I'm, I'm going to say the same thing, is that I feel like when I watched the interview and what I got from the governor's office when she basically said she was going to close the prisons, and then it comes out that it's going to be an executive order to do so, I feel like that's a message. It's not about whether or not I'm going to I need to close this because I have other priorities and I only have so many dollars to meet those priorities. 
the the fact that she used executive order to close the prison is highly irregular. That is not normal. That is that is not that is unheard of in any state in the union. And that in itself, though, that act of using her executive authority to close the prison. If you're not going to fund it, don't fund it. Like just the money's not there. Um, and then we go from there and the legislature meets and they try and find a way to continue to fund it. And if they can't, they can't. Okay. Got it. But the, the governor was right. We only have so many dollars and this one makes sense and we hash that out, but it's a state wide discussion, uh, where we can have that conversation. And, uh, but the idea of using the executive authority to close it was a message to let us know, no, this isn't just about I'm going to close it because I have other priorities. I want to close this prison, and I'm going to close this prison. And to us, that, it, it was a very clear message to us. Um, that, that is what we felt. We felt very disappointed. Um, we, we, were, we were distraught. We felt dispirited um, by the entire process. Um, where where we no longer have anywhere to go with a redress for grievances. We don't have an option to take this anywhere forward and to fight for it because even if we did, it would be vetoed. Yeah. Well, and what I think is kind of weird about that is shocking. that if you guys are making having this talk like way prior to this announcement, you'd think that she'd at least give county commissioners or – you know, some sort, some, uh, some more local official around here that's around the prison. You'd think that they'd get some sort of heads up from her if she's going to do something that major, but it doesn't sound like she did, correct? Well, it's not. It's not going to be closed immediately. Um, it will be closed in the mid part of 2022. Uh, the other two prisons are slated for closure first. I think it's uh, um, uh, Mill Creek and Shutter Creek. Uh, those are those are older prisons. Uh, I don't I don't uh, I'm not happy about their closure either. I think that's they're that's going to be huge economic impact to those communities as well. Um, I understand the concept of having to tighten the budget uh, and tighten the belt, so to speak. But um, this is this is not apparent to be a good move. Um, currently, right now, and this made national news uh, the other day. Currently, there are six thousand cases uh, still pending and backlogged in Multnomah County to be processed through the court system, wow. criminal cases. Only two have been processed since the beginning of the pandemic. That is insane. So even, even if you want to make a case that prisons are not necessary because we're not seeing a huge amount of prisoners going into them, and uh, so we're just going to close them, the idea of closing it now when you have a backlog of 6,000 cases where you've only processed two over the last eight months in, in one county where there's 36 counties in the state of Oregon. Granted, it's Multnomah. It's highly populated. But uh, uh, the idea of making that decision now uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so we we make those arguments we but i think they're falling on deaf ears at this point and i think the message that the governor sent us is quite clear um we're we're extremely disappointed by it i think our community is going to absolutely be impacted um and the idea that the prison doesn't close right away or it closes within say a year or two years isn't necessarily a good thing when two other prisons get closed before 
because if there are openings for additional prison guards and different personnel through in other prisons in the state, those two prisons will take those positions first. Yep. Huh. And and if and, and honestly, it will create create a lot of havoc for our prison because there's nothing to stop these guys right now at our prison in Warner Creek from looking to fill those vacancies right now and leave Warner Creek. Huh. And and to fill those vacancies within Warner Creek will be next to impossible because um, who wants to go work at uh, take a state job and for for a year? Yeah, that's huh. Well, when the coffin's already been sealed. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about something a little more positive now. Uh, So we look like we might have a (laughs) COVID-19 vaccine. I don't know. You've got me on the phone. I don't know how I'm going to be able to help you with that. Well, (laughs) well, we'll we'll, we'll give it a shot. So it looks like we're going to... You wanted to know what my days are like. Well, no, that was great insight. Uh, Yeah, that was actually really interesting. Uh, but so it looks like we're going to have a COVID-19 vaccine by the end of the year, not in huge numbers, but we'll have some at least for vulnerable people and healthcare workers. Is there any plan in Lake County to get that distributed in hospital and well, the hospital, I guess? Well, I imagine the hospital has some plans for it, but that's kind of outside of my wheelhouse. Okay. Um, and, and honestly, I, uh, I'm not entirely sure how the public will respond to it. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's true. All right, well, we're almost at 30 minutes here, so I have two more closing questions. What is your favorite part of being a county commissioner? Just <laughs> After that one ran, it's a little out of place. but Right, I was, I was hoping we could find something positive to talk about, but I'm not sure we can. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's see. I don't know. I could, uh, we could find a few things that are positive. Um, you know, we're, we're, still, we're doing a lot of road work up on the north end of the county. Um, we're, uh, our guys are up there every day. We actually have been trying to get our guys some additional equipment and everything so that they can have, uh, their own, um, um, mechanic, uh, um, mechanicing tools and everything with them and a mechanic truck up on the North end. When they do a lot of the work, we're looking at some future chip seals on the North end on, on, uh, I think, I believe Christmas Valley highway, um, we're looking at doing some more work up on Fredericks Butte and, and out on some of these other long roads that need the work, narrowing those roads up and uh, put it in, instead of uh, just continuing to grade the, the base away, um, we're looking yeah, at trying uh, to repair those roads. Okay, Conley and Pitcher Lane, if they don't get, <laughs> <laughs> if they don't get paved, just, just I don't know who needs to hear it, but they're, they're pretty, they got some potholes in them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I know I, I I'm not necessarily making the best strategic move going from all that stuff to talk about roads on the north end of the county. Um but uh I mean the the reality is our road department's doing a fantastic stuff right now and uh you know we're we we're trying to save dollars and not having to send mechanic trucks back up and forth all the way across the county every time we have a rig breakdown. So it's important to us to make sure that we have the tools that we need on the north end to be able to get a service truck out and fix a piece of machinery, even if the head mechanic is still down here in Lakeview. Um, um, we we can, certainly you know, appreciate talk it. Guys, through it on the phone. Yeah, we certainly appreciate it. We need we need uh, a lot of work on roads up here. Hey, did you guys have any any uh, input or part of the decision on getting the new deputy up here on the North Lake end? A little bit. Uh, I think our sheriff, I would give a lot of uh, the credit to our sheriff. 
uh, and wanting to get an additional deputy up there. Um, I think uh, I think he's going to be awesome. Uh, Lance has a lot of experience, and I think he's going to be great for the North End. Um, he's got a a good quiet strength to him. Uh, he's got plenty of experience uh, in the military, and I think we've been dang lucky to get him. Uh, I think it's, he's going to work out just perfect, honestly, and uh, I'm we're really happy to have him up there. We know that they've needed an additional officer up there for a very long time, um, so uh, I'm I'm really grateful to to be moving more in that direction. So I was wondering about that because I did see a, a deputy that I never didn't recognize. I thought he might have been a Lake guy that was up here, but that does make sense because I've been seeing one that I haven't recognized a few times in a row now. No, he's brand new, and uh, he's doing great. I, he hasn't been to the academy yet, uh, but he will be going through the academy, and I believe that he will be fantastic for the North End. Um, he's got a good attitude, and I've heard nothing but positive things about him from the rest of the deputies in the Sheriff's Department. So, uh, yeah, again, I think we're real lucky to have him up there. Um, wish we could do more, um, but uh, I'll leave uh, most of that subject for the sheriff. Uh, maybe you can get the sheriff on this show sometime. And that is a good idea. I don't know issues. why we never thought of that. That's a really good idea. Yeah, my I I would stay in my lane on a lot of these things. And if Michael Taylor would have an interest in being on your show and and talking about some of the, what his plans are for deputy positions and what he's looking at doing, um, I believe uh, he also created an. Uh, a sergeant position on the north end where Tom Rourke is now the new sergeant um, to, to have a leadership role up there on the north end I think it'll it'll really help so um, I'm grateful that we're kind of moving in uh, in a direction that uh, hopefully will benefit the whole county um, but uh, yeah I, I you want to hear more about what the sheriff's department is doing I would always suggest and recommend to talk to the sheriff well, so I'll have to um, reach out um, to him here then next few days. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. No, uh, other than that, I, I actually booked a whole hour. Um, being that our last show went for 40 minutes, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, but uh, if you guys have any more questions, I'd more than happy to, to answer them and uh, go give you any more updates that you might be curious about. Yeah, well, I don't have any questions. I just I uh, wanted to reach out, and I liked your message. I liked what you were saying, and I wanted to get on the radio and give you a chance to, to say that loud and clear. And I appreciate what you're doing, James. Appreciate the work, uh, trying to bring people together in a difficult time. And I'm glad we was able to find something positive to talk about. And with that, I have to go to <laughs> class, but I'll let you wrap this up with Justin, and I'm going to go take care of students coming in. So. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Chad. Appreciate yeah. you. Well, thank you, James, for yeah. coming on the podcast. Uh, probably, honestly, if something comes up, which I'm sure it will, we'll do this again because you're a great guest. You have some really good answers. Awesome. Yep. Uh, more than happy. Anytime. Uh, just reach out to me. Text me. Uh, works great. So, yep. All right. Well, good luck thank on you. your interview with NBC5. You've been listening to the Cowboy Talk podcast that can be found everywhere where you listen to podcasts, along with being shared on the North Lake FFA Facebook page. Uh, if you want to listen to me more, which I don't know why you would, but if you want to, you can listen to The Sharp Side of the World, which is my podcast where I talk with literally anybody about literally anything that I deem interesting. So go give that a shout. I will link that below in the description here. 
Uh, We hope you give this podcast a five-star review wherever possible. Share it with all your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.